This is podcast number 53 of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Clark from TheRationalRadical.com, www.TheRationalRadical.com. Today, the topic of discussion will be what every progressive needs to know about true Christian economics in order to effectively counter the Christian right. Let's get right into it. About a month ago, I suggested that George Bush wouldn't do very well on Judgment Day in the eyes of his Savior, Jesus. I also suggested that Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez, in contrast, would. In the course of that podcast, I mentioned that I myself wasn't a Christian. This prompted an interesting email from Carl, a listener from Spokane, Washington. He wrote in part, quote, In your last podcast, you said you were not a Christian, but I must disagree. You are not a Christian by most churches' standards, but that has nothing to do with Christ. It's the churches that started emphasizing his divinity over his deeds. It became all about getting saved and not about helping the least among us. You, Jack, by not focusing on Christ's divinity, are more Christian than the vast majority of those who call themselves that. You and I have every right to call ourselves Christians because we don't have to believe Jesus was God. We just have to follow his example. Close quote. I look at it a bit differently than Carl. I do think that to be a Christian per se, you have to believe in the Son of God theology. However, to act like a Christian is supposed to act, you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to believe in the theology. So in that sense, I do espouse policies, actions in the real world, that are more in accordance with Christian values than right-wing Christians. And looking at it that way, I am truer to Christian values, truer to the word of Jesus, than right-wingers are, which I think is Carl's point. Am I truer to Christian values, though? Many right-wing Christians would contend that my socio-political advocacy has nothing to do with religion. That such an attitude is widespread, in fact may even be unconsciously assumed by many, is evidenced in an interview recently published in the New York Times. The person being interviewed was a Sister Patricia Wolf. Listen to all she does. Sister Wolf is, quote, Executive Director of the Interfaith Center on Corporate Responsibility, a nonprofit group based in New York that promotes corporate social responsibility. Among the actions the center was responsible for were sponsoring human rights shareholder resolutions at major multinationals like Boeing, Chevron, and Halliburton, convincing Walmart to post data on its hiring of women and minorities, lobbying a fertilizer company to reveal to the surrounding community environmental impact data, and pressuring a major pharmaceutical company to develop a pediatric AIDS medicine. Close quote. At the end of the interview, Sister Wolf was asked, quote, On a personal note, why did you as a nun choose to become involved in all this instead of concentrating on your religion? Close quote. In other words, all this 
All her activism is separate and apart from her religion. Sister Wolf replied, quote, I do concentrate on my religion. I was asked to become engaged in corporate responsibility work by my community, the Sisters of Mercy. We view corporate responsibility as a way of addressing social justice issues at a systemic level. Close quote. Is addressing corporate responsibility and social justice issues at a systemic level a part of religion? Yes, according to her religion, Sister Wolf's order is part of the Roman Catholic Church. That church's official written social doctrine in the economic sphere is actually quite amazing. I'm going to break it down for you in a way that will enormously enhance your ability to engage right-wingers in debate. Before I go on, let me acknowledge that some of you may be saying to yourself, I don't want to hear a bunch of religious crap or any highfalutin esoteric theology. No, 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 that's not what you're going to hear. You're going to hear Progressive Economics 101, Radical Economics even, dare I say, Bedrock Human Morality. You must keep in mind, possibly the largest and most organized and most disciplined and Unfortunately, most effective opposition to the progressive agenda is the religious right. So, if you're a progressive, you need to be familiar with this issue to be able to articulate how far from being in accord with Christian values right-wing policies truly are. You have to be able to put right-wing Christians on the defensive. Also, if you're a progressive, your understanding of the following will allow you to easily handle any red-baiting you encounter on economic issues. When you espouse economic justice measures and a right-winger starts dismissing what you're saying, and you as well, as a socialist or a communist, you can simply tell them, sorry, that's not correct. What I'm advocating is actually part of official Catholic social doctrine. So unless the Pope is a socialist or a communist, you'll have to come up with a better criticism than that. And if you're a right-wing Christian yourself who is listening, perhaps you're not aware of this manner of understanding true Christian economics, and you will benefit by listening to this as well. As part of this presentation, you'll hear clips of various right-wingers who claim to be Christians espousing positions diametrically opposed to their own religion's values. Pay special attention to the Bill O'Reilly and Sean Hannity clips, since they are both self-professed devout Catholics, so what's to follow is the official mandatory teaching of their own church, the one they claim allegiance to and the one they eagerly trash every day. My sources are the New York Times, Fox News, and several papal encyclicals and other official church documents. You can find a link to my Church Teachings Compilation, which contains all the excerpts I read from these documents and more, on my Data Resources page. I've distilled Catholic social doctrine into eight overarching principles. I'll present these eight principles up front here and then go over each one in order. 1. 
the world's resources were meant for all to share equitably so that each individual and people have a sufficient share. 2. The market alone cannot address all human needs and its shortcomings need to be addressed. 3. The existence of unjust political and economic structures must be recognized. 4. Demonization of the poor is wrong. 5. We must exercise a preferential option for the poor. 6. Concrete actions to help the poor, not pious wishes, are required. 7. Individual acts of charity are not enough. Social, political, and economic policies must be addressed. And finally, 8. These social justice principles and the preferential option for the poor apply internationally as well and therefore fundamental changes in global economic structures and practices are necessary. Now tell me that doesn't already sound like a powerful progressive economic agenda you could readily espouse whether you're a Christian or not. And the beauty of it is it gets even better in the details. After each principle, I'll read you a bit of the actual papal writings, which, as you'll see, don't sound anything like a right-wing Christian at all. Let's do it. First principle. The world's resources were meant for all to share equitably so that each individual and people have a sufficient share. Quote, it is necessary to state once more the characteristic principle of Christian social doctrine. The goods of this world are originally meant for all. The right to private property is valid and necessary, but it does not nullify the value of this principle. Private property, in fact, is under a social mortgage, which means that it has an intrinsically social function." Close quote. Another excerpt, quote, God gave the earth to the whole human race for the sustenance of all its members without excluding or favoring anyone, close quote. As you can imagine, a right-wing Christian would already be suffering severe distress upon hearing these words. This equitable use of the earth's resources Will the beloved free market of right-wingerdom achieve this? No, it won't. Principle number two. The market alone cannot address all human needs, and its shortcomings need to be addressed. Quote, there are many human needs which find no place on the market. It is a strict duty of justice and truth not to allow fundamental human needs to remain unsatisfied and not to allow those burdened by such needs to perish. Even prior to the logic of a fair exchange of goods and the forms of justice appropriate to it, there exists something which is due the person because he is a person by reason of his lofty dignity. Inseparable from that required something is the possibility to survive and, at the same time, to make an active contribution to the common good of humanity." Close quote. Wow! So the right-wing worship of the market is truly idolatrous, since there are higher values that must trump the market when the market causes 
fundamental human needs to remain unsatisfied and those burdened by such needs to perish. This leads to the question, what causes such fundamental human needs to remain unsatisfied? Principle 3. The existence of unjust political and economic structures must be recognized. Quote, One must denounce the existence of economic, financial, and social mechanisms which, although they are manipulated by people, often function almost automatically, thus accentuating the situation of wealth for some and poverty for the rest. It is not out of place to speak of structures of sin. The poor are becoming ever more numerous, victims of specific policies and structures which are often unjust. Close quote. Are you getting the picture? This is all 180 degrees the opposite of what right-wing Christians will tell you. And if structures of sin cause poverty, that leads inevitably to the next principle of Catholic social doctrine. Demonization of the poor is wrong. Quote, it will be necessary above all to abandon a mentality in which the poor, as individuals and as people, are considered a burden as irksome intruders trying to consume what others have produced. The poor ask for the right to share in enjoying material goods and to make use of their capacity to work, thus creating a world that is more just and prosperous for all. The advancement of the poor constitutes a great opportunity for the moral, cultural, and even economic growth of all humanity. Close quote. It's not poor character, it's injustice and depression that cause poverty. Indeed, far from demonizing the poor, as right-wingers always do, Principle 5 states, we must exercise a preferential option for the poor. Quote, to re-examine and further clarify the characteristic themes and guidelines dealt with in recent years, I would like to indicate one of them, the option of preference for the poor. This is an option, or a special form of primacy in the exercise of Christian charity, to which the whole tradition of the Church bears witness. Close quote. Another passage, quote, The globalized economy must be analyzed in the light of the principles of social justice, respecting the preferential option for the poor. Close quote. What must we do? Just hope and fervently pray that the poor are helped, that alms are given? No, 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 no. That alone won't suffice. Principle 6. Concrete actions to help the poor, not pious wishes, are required. Quote, As far as the church is concerned, the social message of the gospel must not be considered a theory, but above all else, a basis and a motivation for action. Christ's words, as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me, were not intended to remain a pious wish, but were meant to become a concrete life commitment. Love for others, and in the first place love for the poor, in whom the church sees Christ himself, is made concrete 
in the promotion of justice, close quote. That mention of justice leads naturally to principle seven. Individual acts of charity are not enough. Social, political, and economic policies must be addressed. Quote, this constant dedication to the poor and disadvantaged emerges in the church's social teaching, which ceaselessly invites the Christian community to a commitment to overcome every form of exploitation and oppression. It is a question not only of alleviating the most serious and urgent needs through individual actions here and there, but of uncovering the roots of evil and proposing initiatives to make social, political, and economic structures more just and fraternal. Close quote. Another excerpt. The preferential option for the poor, quote, applies to our social responsibilities and hence to our manner of living and to the logical decisions to be made concerning the ownership and use of goods. Our daily life, as well as our decisions in the political and economic fields, must be marked by these realities. Quote. Hence, you see why Sister Wolf's corporate responsibility campaign is indeed part of her religion. This is a critically important point. Right-wingers are always saying, We've given to charity. We've fulfilled our Christian duty. No, you have not. There are structures of sin that must be corrected. Social, political, and economic structures must be made more just. Finally, there is principle eight. These social justice principles and the preferential option for the poor apply internationally as well and therefore fundamental changes in global economic structures and practices are necessary. What does this mean? Our duty to the suffering abroad is called solidarity. Quote, solidarity is not a feeling of vague compassion or shallow distress at the misfortunes of so many people both near and far. On the contrary, it is a firm and persevering determination to commit oneself to the common good, that is, to say to the good of all and of each individual, because we are all really responsible for all. This determination is based on the solid conviction that what is hindering full development is that desire for profit and that thirst for power already mentioned. Close quote. As is the case domestically, the market is not God. Quote, if globalization is ruled merely by the laws of the market applied to suit the powerful, the consequences cannot but be negative. These are, for example, the absolutizing of the economy, unemployment, the reduction and deterioration of public services, the destruction of the environment and natural resources, the growing distance between rich and poor, unfair competition which puts the poor nations in a situation of ever-increasing inferiority." Close quote. On the contrary, quote, the globalized economy must be analyzed in the light of the principles of social justice, respecting the preferential option for the poor who must be allowed to take their place in such an economy and the requirements of the international common good. 
the church in America is called to cooperate with every legitimate means in reducing the negative effects of globalization, such as the domination of the powerful over the weak, especially in the economic sphere, close quote. In other words, there is a clear Christian duty to create a world economic system that is fair to all, not just to the richer nations. Quote, that which human industry produces through the processing of raw materials with the contribution of work must serve equally for the good of all. Surmounting every type of imperialism and determination to preserve their own hegemony, the stronger and richer nations must have a sense of moral responsibility for the other nations so that a real international system may be established which will rest on the foundation of the equality of all people. Close quote. Wow! Do the actions of Hugo Chavez, Evo Morales, and other progressive Latin American leaders come to mind? So these are the eight principles. I know the Catholic Church on women's rights and sexual matters has some terrible positions, but on this economic stuff, it's spot on. These principles lead to some specific policy prescriptions in church doctrine. First would be that a living wage is required by fundamental justice. Quote, in every case a just wage is the concrete means of verifying the justice of the whole socio-economic system. It is not the only means of checking, but it is a particularly important one and in a sense the key means. Just remuneration for the work of an adult who is responsible for a family means remuneration which will suffice for establishing and properly maintaining a family and for providing security for its future. Close quote. Another passage, quote, The worker must be paid a wage sufficient to support him and his family. If this cannot always be done under existing circumstances, social justice demands that changes be introduced as soon as possible whereby such a wage will be assured to every adult working man." Close quote. Another currently hot issue is immigration. The eight principles lead to the following position of the church that help for immigrants, even for undocumented immigrants, is required. Quote, In its history, America has experienced many immigrations as waves of men and women came to its various regions in the hope of a better life. The phenomenon continues even today, especially with many people and families from Latin American countries who have moved to the northern parts of the continent, to the point where in some cases they constitute a substantial part of the population. The church in America must be a vigilant advocate, defending against any unjust restriction the natural right of individual persons to move freely within their own nation and from one nation to another. Attention must be called to the rights of migrants and their families and to respect for their human dignity, even in cases of non-legal immigration." Close quote. Finally, specific policies in the globalization arena that need to be addressed include the international trade and monetary systems, technological exchanges, and international debt. 
On international debt, for example, quote, The principle that debts must be paid is certainly just. However, it is not right to demand or expect payment when the effect would be the imposition of political choices leading to hunger and despair for entire peoples. It cannot be expected that the debts which have been contracted should be paid at the price of unbearable sacrifices. In such cases it is necessary to find, as in fact is partly happening, ways to lighten, defer, or even cancel the debt compatible with the fundamental right of peoples to subsistence and progress. Close quote. Now you know more about Catholic social doctrine than most Catholics. Go find a right-wing Christian and, perhaps in a way not turning the other cheek, kick his or her butt. Wait, before you go do that, let's see how some of our favorite right-wing Christians measure up. For example, Principle 3 states that the existence of unjust political and economic structures must be recognized. Unjust economic structures? Why? People who speak like this are subversives, according to Bill O'Reilly. When you hear far-left Americans use the terms economic justice or income inequality, you should know these are code words for socialism. Principle four is that demonization of the poor is wrong. Oops! Practicing devout Catholic Bill O'Reilly is screwing up here as well. Listen to him talk about the victims of Hurricane Katrina. Every American kid should be required to watch videotape of the poor in New Orleans and see how they suffered because they couldn't get out of town. And then every teacher should tell the students, if you refuse to learn, if you refuse to work hard, if you become addicted, if you live a gangsta life, you will be poor and powerless just like many of those in New Orleans. You think it's demonizing the poor to say that they're poor because they refuse to learn, they refuse to work hard, they are addicted, they live a gangsta life? I think so, don't you? Demonization of the poor is a right-wing specialty. They've raised it to a fine art. Remember Ronald Reagan's welfare queens? Okay, principle number five is that Christians must exercise what's called a preferential option for the poor. Hmm, that doesn't exactly sound like the right wing, does it? They exercise a preferential option for the rich. George Bush even jokes about it. This is an impressive crowd, the haves and the have-mores. <laughs> Some people call you the elite. I call you my base. <laughs> Maybe funny to George, but not so funny, as I indicated in that prior podcast, to the one making a decision about George's fate on Judgment Day. These next two principles are especially important. Principles 6 and 7 state that concrete actions to help the poor, not pious wishes, are required. And individual acts of charity are not enough. Social, political, and economic policies must be addressed. 
But listen to what head cheerleader for the right, that good Christian Rush Limbaugh, says. Roosevelt is dead. His policies may live on, but we're in the process of doing something about that as well. He wants to kill Roosevelt's policies, the social safety net, all the social, political, and economic policies that advance social justice that may even be said to express a preferential option for the poor. And Limbaugh offers nothing in the place of those policies and programs except the very type of vague hope that charity will take up the slack that the Catholic social doctrine condemns. The last principle is that the duty to advance social justice and employ a preferential option for the poor applies internationally as well and therefore fundamental changes in global economic structures and practices are necessary. Wait a minute! The second any foreign leader tries to do so, to create more fair conditions of international trade, like Hugo Chavez, some right-wing phony Christians automatically denounce him as a communist. They're communist socialists down there. He's going to make that a launching pad for communist infiltration and, and uh, Muslim extremism all over the continent. Or even call for his assassination. You know, I don't know about this doctrine of assassination, but if he thinks we're trying to assassinate him, I think we really ought to go ahead and do it. That was, of course, Bill O'Reilly and Pat Robertson. Let's wrap up these clips with some on two of the specific policies church doctrine requires. Official Catholic doctrine calls for a living wage, but not O'Reilly or Sean Hannity. It's almost like it seems superfluous when the Democrats now, in, in light of, when I hear the Democrats talk about the minimum wage, it seems meaningless to me. It's not the government's duty to control the distribution of wealth. Socialism and communism do that. Such nice Catholic boys, this Hannity and O'Reilly. How did they go so wrong? A true Christian perspective also calls for support of immigrants, the strangers in the Bible, the strangers who were welcomed by those whom Jesus sends to heaven in the parable of the sheep and the goats. So where does that mean Ann Coulter is going to be sent? She claims her politics are based on her Christian faith, but here's what she said about undocumented immigrants. I'd build a wall. In fact, I'd hire illegal immigrants to build the wall um, and, and throw out the illegals who are here. You would throw I, them out. I can't even... Uh, you would throw them yeah. out. Yeah. So... Yes. Uh, Coulter's chortling with delight at the thought of deporting 12 million people doesn't seem quite in accordance with Christian values. Or is it just me missing something? I believe that many other denominations have social justice doctrines similar to the Catholic Church. Those of you out there who are familiar with any of the others, please send me links. If you do engage a right-wing Christian on these issues, don't let them tell you that I've cited you old quotations or the writings of irrelevant popes. Most of what I've read was written by that staunch anti-communist, anti-socialist Pope John Paul II in the 80s and 90s. It is current church doctrine. And for every quote I read you, 
there are others that could well be added. Also, please note, it's true that non-Catholic Christians won't necessarily take as the, pardon the pun, the gospel, the Pope's teachings. However, when advocating your position, invoking Catholic social doctrine does give weight and heft to your argument. It makes it clear you're not just espousing some loony left interpretation of the Bible. When I was on a travel seminar in Central America, oh, it was actually 22 years ago, we were visited by an impoverished woman who was organizing her community to advocate for social justice. She was doing so in the context of implementing Catholic social doctrine through what are called base Christian communities. She uttered some words which have stuck with me ever since. And they encapsulate in one short sentence, it seems to me, all of Catholic social doctrine, not to mention a fundamental spiritual truth. She said, quote, God gave the earth to everyone equally, and if some have too much and some have too little, the ones with too much must have stolen it in some way. Close quote. It still gives me the chills, positive chills, when I hear it. Note that when she says, some have too little, she's not talking about not having enough money to buy a new car or a bigger screen TV. She's talking about not having enough money to buy food or medicine for your children. No one willingly falls into or remains in such dire circumstances, hence stolen it in some way. God gave the earth to everyone equally, and if some have too much and some have too little, the ones with too much must have stolen it in some way. Indeed. So there you have it. The true nature of Christian economics. Now you can better understand why in that podcast a month ago I said George Bush wouldn't do so well on Judgment Day and Hugo Chavez would. Chavez himself understands what he is doing. He told Jesse Jackson that, quote, You can be sure that we will continue fighting for the ideas of Martin Luther King for Christ the Redeemer's idea of loving one another and building a society of equals through our peaceful and democratic revolution. Close quote. I'll close with another listener comment about right-wing Christians. Quote, what kills me is all the pomp and honor they get for their charitable works while they rob workers of their jobs and a living wage. The right wing doesn't know the heart of God. Wealth is godliness to them. Close quote. Yes, everything right wingers do in the economic realm is designed to transfer wealth from everyone else to the rich. They lust after money, more money than their next dozen generations could spend. They don't know the heart of God. As the Bible says, quote, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Close quote. 
Unfortunately, as you well know if you've been listening to this podcast regularly, right-wing Christians pierce through with many sorrows, not just themselves, but countless others as well. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. Sorry, Jeff. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right and vote for Blast the Right at podcastalley.com. It's the beginning of August. Go there and vote. A one-click link to vote and to send the podcast link to a friend are on the podcast homepage. A special note to all you Connecticut listeners, it's very important to vote for Lamont instead of Lieberman. This is a referendum now on the Iraq War. Anyone can register in person with their registrar or town clerk until noon on August 7th, the day before the primary. Vote for Lamont. Music credits. I'm going to close the podcast with a verse I haven't played for a long time, from You Razzle Dazzledom by Bill Jacobs. Links to all the music I play on the podcast are on the music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use are on the data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. Thanks to Tom Hartman for the Rush Limbaugh clip. I love getting all your comments. They're really good. Keep sending them. Rational at Adelphia.net you can also call and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. You can also Skype me at Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. Forget your AWOL and your DUI You gave them a show that always pleases Your friends claimed you were endorsed by Jesus You're razzle-dazzle-dum, razzle-dazzle-dum, razzle-dazzle-dum And made sane people cry